Hi, good evening. This is Dr. Roger Murphy, the fibrodoctor.com, author of Treating and Beating Fibromyalgia and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Thank you for joining me tonight for my Tuesday night Treating and Beating Fibromyalgia teleconference. I look forward to taking your questions tonight. I am a board-certified chiropractic physician and board-certified nutritional specialist who's been in private practice for 24 years. For the last 18 years, I've specialized in treating fibromyalgia. I have a clinic in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I practice is largely phone consults at this time, and I get to work with patients all over the world. For a number of years, I owned a very large integrated medical practice on the campus of Brookwood Hospital here in Birmingham, where I had uh, several medical doctors and support staff who worked for me, and we combined a very judicious use of prescription medication and uh, a large amount of natural supplementation in our treatment of all sorts of illnesses. <clears throat> but the main thing that we specialized in was fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. After being in that practice, uh, running that practice for a number of years, I came to the uh, very real conclusion that uh, traditional medicine alone is a dead end for fibromyalgia because uh, drugs don't make you healthy. They can be helpful, and uh, certainly uh, they can be life-saving, and sometimes they really are your only option. But what I found in the medical practice that I own and ran is the more and more drugs that we used in our patients for fibromyalgia, the more problems we found later on in that patient. Because if we got lazy and we put them on Ambien to help them with their sleep, what we found is is that their symptoms actually eventually would become worse. And the reason why is because Ambien has all the potential side effects of all those that you would see with someone with fibromyalgia, poor achy muscle pain, uh, problems with their memory, fibro fog, depression, fatigue. All those things can be created by the Ambien. Certainly short-term, it was great. We could put patients on Ambien. We could put patients on Lonesta. We could use Flexeril and Elevil and some of these other medications at our disposal. But a year, two years later, oftentimes these patients would come back and they would have more problems than they started with. So I learned the hard way that just using prescription medications to treat fibromyalgia, while short-term it can be very helpful, long-term you run the risk and it creates more and more problems. The other thing that I saw pretty early on in my practice was that when I first started treating fibromyalgia patients back in the 1990s, early 1990s, uh, what I saw was that most patients with fibromyalgia were in their mid-40s, 50s, or older. And what I've seen over the years, uh, and, and what I learned early on with those patients, is that oftentimes they had funny reactions to medications. And we see that across the general population is that the older you get, the more likely you already have funny reactions to medications. Part of that is just our bodies do not work as well as they used to. Our liver has trouble breaking down chemicals as we get older and nullifying those chemicals, and so you can get funny reactions. The other thing I saw, too, uh, as time went on, was that not only was I seeing a lot of middle-aged patients, but I started seeing more and more patients in their 30s, even in their 20s and now in their teens, who have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And the thought of a patient uh, being 18 years old and on 12 different medications for the rest of their lives, 
Uh, I mean, if you start taking Lyrica at the age of 18, Savella, Lyrica, Ambien, uh, Narco, where are you going to be when you're 38? It was a pretty dismal-looking future for these folks. So I I felt uh, that even even back then when I started to see that, that something definitely had to change. In 2003, I sold my medical practice and I went out solo. Quite frankly, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it without uh, the prescription drugs because I, too, had grown accustomed to being, when push came to shove, if I needed something to help the patient get over the hump, uh, I could get you know get them on a medication from the doctors that was uh, working under me. And so 2003, when I went out solo, I didn't have five medical doctors to boss around anymore. I was really wondering, was the functional medicine and the orthomolecular medicine, the medicine that I'd been practicing over the years, and that I had written about in the three books that had come out, the one, the Fibro book at that time, and soon, soon uh, after that, the book on anxiety and depression, and then the book on uh, heart disease. But I was wondering the natural things that I did, the high doses of vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, and amino acids, was that going to stand? Uh, was that going to be enough for these folks to be able to start to reverse their symptoms of fibromyalgia? And what I found is because I didn't have the luxury of having drugs to to recommend to patients, I found that I had to work harder, do more detective work, to think uh, outside the box more, and I had to really work to uncover what were the causes of the problems for the patients and not just merely covering up their symptoms with medications. Sure, it was easy if they had a problem with poor sleep to put them on Ambien. Yeah, they'd be for most people, not all, not all, not everybody, but most people would be sleeping soundly within a few days of taking the Ambien. But the question really was, you know, why do they have trouble with their sleep? And now that I didn't have the medications, I had to find that out. And that's when I really uh, started to learn more and more about the circadian rhythm and what happens when you have problems with your cortisol, DHEA ratios. So a lot of people are actually waking up when they should be going to bed and they've got their days and nights mixed up. A lot of times they're tired all day and then they catch their second wind at bedtime. So that's what led me to really, I think, really become uh, the, the doctor that I am today. I'm a much better doctor now than I was in 2003. And I'm certainly a much better doctor uh, and, and now than I was in 1993. And uh, another 10 years from now, I'll be even a better doctor than I am now. And the reason why is because my philosophy is find the causes and treat those causes. And by doing that, you find you can correct the biochemistry and change the physiology. And that's really what it's all about in fibromyalgia. You know, the tough thing about fibromyalgia is it's a yeah, it's a disease, but it's really not a disease. It's a syndrome. And that's why it has syndrome is a group of different symptoms that come together under a banner and there's a common thread to everyone with fibromyalgia. They have diffuse achy muscle pain, poor sleep, and, and then they can from there they can have low moods, they can have anxiety, they can have irritable bowel, they can have restless legs, they can have headaches, they can you know, they can have all these different things. But the two things that are always going to show up is poor sleep and uh, diffuse aching muscle pain. Uh, but the other things can be can be variables, and it just depends. And 
if you're not careful, uh, you can fall into the trap that just because you got the diagnosis of fibromyalgia, um, all your symptoms are treated as if they're part of your fibromyalgia and you just need to take drugs to mask them, to cover them up, and you just have to learn to live with them. That's kind of where we're at right now in, in conventional medicine as far as the treatment of fibromyalgia. Yeah, we're still looking for the holy grail on their studies out there right now. Dr. Pridgen uh, here in Alabama, a uh, GI doctor who thinks he's <clears throat> found the cure for fibromyalgia. I'm cynical, as you can tell about that. I'm not anti-drug. I'm certainly not. And I'm not anti. Let's, let's keep doing the research. Uh, but the propaganda coming out from that, from that study is uh, really pretty um, ludicrous, uh, just to say the least. It's about like the study with the small fiber uh, propaganda that came out to and had 20, 24 patients that showed that the reason why people had fibromyalgia and that small fiber uh, neuropathy, and that was the true cause of fibromyalgia, and you could help that with Lyrica and Savella. Well, it just so happens that the, the people who funded that, that research project uh, were the makers of Savella and Lyrica. I don't think it's that simple. I don't think we're going to find the there's one answer for fibromyalgia. And the, the reason why, unlike type 2 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, we see it in a blood work. Your hemoglobin A1C is elevated. Your blood sugar is elevated. And because of that, now we know you have type 2 diabetes. And we can put you on a medication like metformin, and we can get your uh, glucose levels down. And sure enough, now we're treating the symptom, not the cause, but we can get that down. Fibromyalgia, there's really nothing to measure. And, again, the fibromyalgia, there's so many different symptoms that we don't, you know, everybody can be, everybody can be different. So if you've got uh, one doctor telling you that uh, all your fibromyalgia is due to food allergies and uh, a dormant virus like cytomegalovirus or Epstein-Barr virus, and all you need to do is take a cyclovir and stay off these certain foods and you'll be fine, I mean, excuse me, but I... I think that's I think that's pretty uh, simple-minded, and yet there's you know there's doctors out there who have similar protocols to that. I just uh, I don't buy into it, and one of the reasons why I don't buy into it because I've tried all those things. Uh, the guaifenesin protocol by Saint Amand it's helped thousands and thousands of patients. Uh, God bless him. I mean, brilliant doctor, wonderful man, and thankfully he's helped uh, patients who could be helped with that protocol. But for my patients over the last 18 years, I've not seen it be beneficial. That's just for me. What I have seen work time and time and time again is getting healthy. To me, that's the only thing that makes sense with fibromyalgia. Because if you're broken down and then you continue just to to patch things up, eventually you become more and more broken down. So if you're having all these symptoms of fibromyalgia and you're treating the symptoms, which then can lead to more symptoms, Eventually, you're going to you're going to crash. That's just the way it is. Uh, what happens with fibromyalgia? What brings it on is that patients finally have bankrupted their stress coping chemicals. They bankrupted their stress coping glands. They have uh, affected their hypothalamus, which is the body's little robot that controls all the systems in the body. They have put that under so much stress that now it starts to not work correctly. And, you know, fortunately, God made us to where we have this innate self-healing, self-running mechanism 
that controls everything in our body. We don't have to think about taking 12 breaths per minute. We don't have to think about pumping blood through uh, hundreds of miles of arteries and veins every minute. We don't have to think about regulating our blood pressure as we go up a flight of steps. We don't have to think about uh, breaking out in a sweat to cool our body down when we're out in the hot sun. We don't have to think about digesting our food. We don't have to think about how we're going to heal up a cut. We don't even have to think about how we're going to mend a broken bone. The body does this for us. However, when the body gets under too much stress, it can break down. And that's what happens with fibromyalgia, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and the adrenals, the HPA axis. Uh, that becomes dysfunctional. It's not working like it's supposed to. And so the body is no longer able to communicate with itself and therefore, you start to get all these different symptoms, including problems with your regular temperature. One day you're freezing, one day you're hot. Uh, you start having problems with your thyroid, so your endocrine system's messed up. Your adrenal glands are low, stress is magnified. Your circadian rhythm is off, so you have trouble with your sleep-wake cycle. You have trouble with allodynia, low, pa- low pain, uh, so pain is magnified. Your neurotransmitters would get out of, out of sync because the brain chemicals are under too much stress, you deplete them, now you start having a lot of anxiety and depression. There's no drug that can fix that. Now, you can take bits and pieces of that. So if there is something in the GI tract that would respond to an antiviral, um, great, you can treat that. But what are you going to do with the rest of the body? You're still going to have all these other symptoms. So, yeah, if you do, in fact, we continue with the research and we find that everybody, which is not going to be the case, has uh, neuropathy, some kind of nerve damage, a small fiber dis- disorder, uh, is Lyrica and Seville the answer? No, because I can guarantee you uh, if they have this this um, this problem with uh, a genetic glitch to where they have small fiber neuropathy, uh, well, is that going to correct their thyroid? No. Is that going to correct their adrenal dysfunction? No. Is that going to correct their sleep? No. Is that going to correct their restless leg syndrome? No. And I can continue on and on. So you've got to take all these symptoms. I had lunch today with a, a patient of mine that, that uh, is from Pakistan, and he was telling me all about uh, how you know, a little bit about his country, and we were talking about fibromyalgia, and he's, he's a, a, a businessman who flies all over the world, and he keeps uh, passing through Birmingham today and on his way to Atlanta, so stopped, came, took me to lunch today. And one of the things that we were talking about is the fact that um, if you've got fibromyalgia, what, you know, how do doctors around the world treat it? And most doctors... I would say 99% of them are guilty of doing it piecemeal. And that was kind of his conclusion of seeing doctors literally all over the world, from Indonesia, throughout uh, Indonesia and Europe and London and Spain and uh, the Middle East, and of course here in in the United States, uh, they treat it piecemeal. So you've got a GI doctor that's treating your GI symptoms, you've got a sleep doctor treating your sleep disorder, you might have a psychiatrist treating your neurotransmitters uh, problems, you know, your, your low moods. Have probably, uh, depending on how long you've had the illness, you've been referred out either to a rheumatologist or a pain doctor who's got you on pain meds. 
and they're all treating their own little specialty. And the problem with that is you oftentimes lose sight of the forest for the trees. The only way to fix somebody who's broken down, uh, and, I, and I mean that, I mean that literally, really, the, the systems in the body are broken down, is they got to get healthy. And the only way you do that is to fix the biochemistry, and that's where testing comes in. And and it's not just here. Let's try this this drug. Let's try that drug. I mean that approach is short term at best, but long term it's you know it's a disaster. Um, so you know what in sharing with uh, with him today, uh, you know he he's uh, finally I think kind of understands and come to terms with it is that his lifestyle has led him to the place that he's at. Uh, it was a combination of just traveling all the time, tremendous amount of stress, some personal uh, difficulties in his life for a couple of years, uh, a lot of work stress, um, and then the poor sleep. And then, unfortunately, he uh, started getting on some medications that created short-term they were helpful, no doubt about it, and, and, I, and I would agree with that, short-term they were, but then it led to some more problems. And then those problems then begat more problems in which, you know, more prescriptions were were recommended for those side effects. And then before you knew it, you know, you're on all these different drugs and potential of more side effects. So uh, anyway, what I have come to the conclusion is we're winding, winding uh, this year down is that uh, without a doubt, I think that while we will continue to look for the holy grail of what is what causes fibromyalgia. The debate still rages, although most people in the know are in agreement with me that it's the HPA dysfunction. But we will continue to debate that, and we will continue now that there's uh, money to be made in the fibromyalgia pharmaceutical market. Uh, Lyrica has demonstrated that, so companies realize that uh, there is quite a bit of money to be made from fibromyalgia patients, and that's why so many of them are rushing to develop products or to rebrand the products like this, like uh, Timely Flex Reel. You know, that's this big study now is they're trying to come out with Time Release Flex Reel, which is a muscle relaxer, and brand that as a fibromyalgia treatment. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's crazy. So Flex Reel, which acts similar to the tricyclic antidepressant Elevil, is very sedating. And, in fact, it does put you in a deeper source of sleep. So it's one of the few medications I would recommend for sleep. I'm, I'm, uh, when the naturals don't work, it would be one of the possibilities that you could use to help with sleep. Um, but why do we need to rebrand FlexRail as time and make it time release? That doesn't make no sense because it's going to make you very drowsy and lethargic even more so the next day than it does just taking it bedtime. Uh, and, and that would make no sense whatsoever. So it, it's really just that they're looking for an opportunity to patent something that they already have, uh, which was the same thing with Lyrica. Lyrica was out there. It was dead. Lyrica, there was there was no market for Lyrica. Um, it was used for neuropathy, and uh, really was going nowhere. Fibromyalgia just saved that drug and made it into a blockbuster that it is it is today. But I, I've come to the conclusion that really the only way to reverse fibromyalgia and get your life back 
is you've you've got to get healthy, and uh, that's what my book is all about. So if you hadn't had a chance to read my book, I would encourage you to do so. It's uh, Treating and Beating Fibromyalgia and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. It's available at barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, and most bookstores throughout North America. So what I'd like to do tonight uh, is just, I, I want to share a little information, a little uh, information about kind of uh, about your immune system. You know, we have this thing now this year with the flu. Now they're saying that the flu vaccine is inact, it's not act, uh, it's not accurate. And so it's probably, which they're saying probably CDC uh, has come out and said it's not going to protect you from the flu. And so what should you do? Well, the first thing you need to realize is you got to uh, you got to stay healthy because what happens uh, with with uh, the the flu really any you know whether that's the flu or the cold it's the fact that uh, um, you get under too much stress and and that's what brings the 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 illness on you know so why why does one person come down with a flu? And his coworker or family member doesn't. You know, there's many factors, but the strength of our immune system really determines our fate. That's really what it comes down to. And it's it's really not the seed. It's not the virus. It's not the bacteria. It's not the planted seed that determines who gets sick, but it's the state of the soil that it's planted in. So you can be one of these people who has a super immune system and really help a person health dynamo, and you get around sick coworkers or sick family members, you never get sick. You could be someone who uh, literally hears that somebody around you is thinking about getting sick, and you get sick. Uh, and <laughs> and so it's really the state of your biochemistry, the state of your health determines whether when this seed is planted, when you come in contact with this possible pathogen, this virus or bacteria, are you going to catch something? And so you've got to be vigilant, especially if you know that you're one of these people that's always battling a chronic sinus infection or when you get the flu, it's a terrible case of the flu, or you always got a cold, you always feel run down, you've got to be vigilant. And you've got to be on the lookout for immune zappers. What are immune zappers? Well, I talk about these in the book. Uh, sugar is probably the number one immune zapper there is. Uh, sugar or even simple carbohydrates like fruit juices and alcohol, honey, fructose, in not even large quantities, but in, 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 in small quantities, Reduce white blood cell activity. Now, your white blood cells are kind of like the pack men that seek out. They're on high alert. They're the infantry. They're waiting there to seek out and destroy any foreign invaders who try to get in our body and make us sick. And the white blood cells uh, are actually reduced by 50%. Uh, uh, let see if I can remember this out of the book. Uh, one tablespoon of sugar in any form, white sugar, honey, fruit juice, maple syrup, it results in a 50% reduction of your white blood cells for up to five hours. Now, that's pretty dramatic. Too much sugar, whether it's juice, honey, 
uh, cane sugar, brown sugar, fructose, whatever it is, also depletes B vitamins, calcium, and magnesium, which are needed to help your immune system work correctly. The average American consumes, on average, about 150 ounces of sugar a day. I mean, that's an astronomical amount of sugar. A can of Coke has 9 to 10 teaspoons. And uh, that's, you know, that's three tablespoons, you know. Uh, So think about what that's doing to the immune system. Sugar suppresses the immune system. It can can cause all kinds of problems, not just the immune system, but it can contribute to mood disorders like hyperactivity, anxiety, depression. Uh, It raises your triglycerides, your bad fats. It can cause you to feel lethargic, run down. Hypoglycemia can be induced with that. All sorts of things. So it's not something that you want to take lightly. That's for sure. Um, now, many people are using sugar substitutes, and I don't recommend that either um, because NutraSweet is loaded with all kind of potential side effects. Mainly, it can affect your nervous system and cause neuropathy, neurological symptoms, there's more complaints about NutraSweet than any other chemical out there on the market. Uh, Splenda, you know, the artificial sweetener derived from raffinose, um, it, it actually reduces the good bacteria in your intestinal tract by 50%. So it reduces that good bacteria, which is really the first line of protection to the outside world. I mean, you think about how a lot of foreign invaders get in our system. They get in by the food we eat and, and the beverages we drink or the things we put in our mouth, right, including our hands if you're kids. Uh, and so you want to make sure that you have that good bacteria. So one of the things you want to be doing right now, if you're not, this time of year, you want to be careful about the parties and things that you go to, having too much alcohol and uh, too much sugar. And, of course, with all the stress of this time of year, I mean, it's, you know, it can really take its toll on you because stress is the big zapper, the thing that really gets your immune system down. Um, but but you definitely want to be taking probiotics, that's for sure. You want to be doing that because you want to make sure that you've got those good bacteria in there to, to repel any of those potential bad guys that happen to get into your intestinal tract and uh, start to lay the groundwork for you getting getting sick. Now, now going back... <clears throat> so. Looking at just the common cold, so uh, if you have a, uh, a cold, there's some things that you can do that um, that are that are that are helpful. And um, one of the things that's recommended is zinc lozenges, and those can be those can be very very helpful. And you'll find those that you should. There's 23 milligrams of elemental zinc and you just suck on those lozenges. There's been quite a bit of research to show that that can be very, very helpful. And um, other things that can be helpful are elderberry. And elderberry um, is really good for kids because it doesn't really have um, any potential side effects like some of the other naturals that are out there. Um, looking at the flu, um, 
I'm just zipping through my book to see what stands out. Some of the things I don't I don't want to make sure I don't forget to mention now that I kind of got off on this <laughs> on this tangent. Um, immune bu- immune boosters. So let's look at immune boosters. Here we go. So things that would raise your immune system. They can get multivitamin every day. Uh, garlic actually is an antibiotic resistant. Uh, fights off antibiotic resistant strains of Staphylococcus and some streps. Uh, strains uh, will, 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 and so that's something good. Uh, low levels of vitamin A are associated with increased susceptibility of bacterial infections. So keeping a high dose of vitamin A uh, is very, very important. If you don't, if if you have a low DHEA level, DHEA is one of the most powerful antiviral uh, there is. It's a very potent immune booster, and when it's low, you're going to be susceptible to all sorts of infections. And you can have a blood test to let you know, see what that is. Um, you know, let's see. When you when studies show that taking 50 milligrams of DHA a day uh, results in 35% in the number of monocytes, these are immune cells, and increase in 20% in the number of immune B cells. So these are important cells to help you fight off any foreign invaders. Uh, immune boosters include lactoferrin. This is a component of whey, and it increases the microflora. That's that's the good bacteria, the, the bifidobacterium and uh, acidophilus, and that helps with your immune system. So that's a good thing to take. Uh, zinc. We were talking about zinc. So zinc is an important cofactor in the secretion of the thymus hormones, and your thymus gland is your most important immune gland because it releases natural killer cells. Those are literally hard to pack men to go out and attack any foreign invader. So you don't you want to make sure your th- your thymus gland is as as optimal as it can be in its function of of uh, releasing these important natural killer cells. Uh, and one thing that can that can run down your thymus gland is stress. Um, when you get into a lot of stress it compromises the function of the thymus gland. Now, one way to counter that is to make sure you're taking plenty of antioxidants. So, you know, eating really good fruits and vegetables, but also making sure you're getting vitamins A, C, beta carotene, selenium, getting these good uh, antioxidants into your into your diet. Uh, so, let's see, let's see if I can find this on flu. Because that's pretty important, I'd say, right now. Um, with the flu, so here we go. This is a great. This is a great uh, uh, paragraph right here. So I was talking about it's really not the seed; it's the soil. So the pathogens, these disease-producing microorganisms, you know, they're everywhere. They're all over in our environment. You know, in the air we breathe, in the food we eat, on the surfaces to which we're exposed to. So there's there's you know, there's pathogens, these microorganisms, everywhere we are, they are. And at any given time, 5% to 40% of us have pneumococcus bacteria in our nose or throat, yet we, we rarely, thank goodness, develop pneumonia. And that's because our immune system is strong enough to fight that off. Um, and that's because of these white blood cells that are able to do that. And that's why you want to keep your immune system really boosted, keep your white blood cells functioning at a high level. 
you know, upper respiratory tract infections, these, these uh, colds and flus, they're the leading cause of lost time from work and school. And bacteria account for about 25% of the upper respiratory tract infections. And, but most of it is viral. And so with that in mind, uh, you know, certainly if you've got strep throat, you've got to get on an antibiotic. But most of the time what you're going to see is these colds and these upper respiratory infections are actually going to be viral. And zinc is a great way to boost your immune system, zinc, gluconate, or acetate lozenges. And you take uh, generally come 13 to 23 milligrams of elemental zinc per lozenge. And you want to do those four to six times a day. Vitamin A, uh, 50,000 to 100,000 IUs a day. And you can take, now that's a high dose and you, you don't want to stay on that forever, but for a week or two, you certainly can do that. They even make a special form of vitamin A that I use when my patients have acne problems. It's called mycelized and it's water vitamin A. So you don't store it so it can't cause you, excuse me, any problems. Uh, being being getting too much of it, and that's called <clears throat> excuse me mycelized vitamin A, and that's made by uh, Allergy Research Group makes that. You can get that on the internet. Vitamin C is a biggie. Uh, you know Linus Pauling talked about vitamin C 50 years ago, but uh, vitamin C, what vitamin C does is it helps you to release hydrogen peroxide. We have the, probably the most abundant substance in our body is hydrogen peroxide. And hydrogen peroxide, when it's released, it kills yeast, bacteria, and virus. It, it is a potent uh, pathogen destroyer. So one of the things that vitamin C does is it helps to release hydrogen peroxide out of the cells so they can get out into the body I'm sorry, release them into the cell so they can attack what needs to be attacked. Um, typically with vitamin C, you want, to, you want to do two grams, one to two grams every, you know, two to three hours uh, to, you, to get up to, you know, eight to ten grams. And uh, now when, once you get a loose bowel movement, you back off on your vitamin C dose. And you want to do that for a week or two, and then you gradually wean down on your vitamin C dose. If you take it too much, you're going to, you definitely are going to get, get a loose bowel movement. When I had my medical practice and we had patients that were, that were coming down with uh, the flu or a cold, some type of bug, they would come into the clinic and we would hook them up and we'd give them uh, 50,000 IUs of vitamin C by IV. And these were people that, you know, a lot of times they were uh, actors, people that were, they had, you know, they had no choice. They were in a play. Uh, they came to our clinic. Uh, these are people that had schedules they had to keep. They couldn't be home. They couldn't be down from the count. Or people who just did not want to succumb to having a cold or the flu. And they come in and get, uh, you know, uh, usually back-to-back IVs that oftentimes would knock that out. But you can do that over the counter as well. Now, the, the, the flu... Um, so what you know with the flu, the way you know it's the flu is that that you're, typically your body temperature is going to rise rapidly, and you're going to have a fever. Uh, you know, it's anywhere from 100 to 106 within the first 24 hours once you start feeling bad. Typically, you have a headache, um, and that's not what you see with a cold. Usually, you're not going to have you know, with a cold. You're not going to have a fever, and 
you can feel achy pain, but typically with the flu, I mean, you're going to know this is much worse than a cold, and and that's when you got to take action. Uh, the antiviral drug Tamiflu, and now it's been shown to reduce your symptoms by by you know to less than those and help you recover um, 1.3 days faster than those who don't take it. <laughs> so you're going to have the symptoms only a day uh, less on Tamiflu than if you don't do anything. Uh, even uh, so, uh, you know, is that a, is that a, something you want to do? I mean, that's up to you. There's potential side effects with this antiviral. Tagamet, over-the-counter Tagamet is, uh, you know, she used to treat heartburn, but it's also a potent immune system boosting agent, and it drastically reduces the duration of certain viral infections, including herpes, by the way. It's my go-to recommendation for the beginning of a herp, uh, herpes outbreak. But it's been shown to stimulate natural killer cell activity. It increases interleukin-2 production, and it inhibits suppressor T-cell activity. And because of that, it can be effective for the, for the flu as well as any type of virus. And what you want to do is uh, you take um, 200 milligrams three times a day and then 400 milligrams at bedtime. And you want to do that for four or five days until you, you know, until you have licked this thing. So now other things I've kind of mentioned, I mentioned the Sambucol elderberry, which is great for kids, but that has antiviral properties. Echinacea is certainly good. So there's all kind of things out there. And the other thing that works uh, really well, although it's a little bit of, um, some people would say voodoo, but it's oscillococinum. And, and I'm not going to spell it because I can't spell it. But you can Google it. It's uh, oscillococinum. If you just start putting it in, uh, you'll find it oscillococinum. And it's what's the number one uh, prescribed remedy, flu remedy, uh, in in France. And, and, and so in Europe, it's one of the number one prescription selling items over there. Now, it's goose liver. It's extracted from goose liver. I know it sounds kind of gross, but it's a homeopathy. So that means that it's titrated down so it has one one millionth of a drop of, uh, you know, a piece of goose goose liver in it, uh, or probably even less than that. Uh, And you take these pellets at the first sign that you're starting to get the flu. And all I can say is, from using this for the last decade, both on myself, my family, and my patients, it works. Now, you can, if you Google it, it's going to tell you there's no studies behind it. Like a lot of things that work, you know, it hasn't been proven to work. But, you know, you just have to take my word for it. But I would encourage you to have that stocked, as I'm telling my patients, to have it uh, in your uh, kitchen cabinet. So when you have the first sign of flu, that you you start to take that along with the vitamin C and the elderberry and and these other things that I've recommended, but isilocosinum is, is what I recommend that you do. Okay, so I wanted to share that tonight because I had a bunch of questions about the flu, and I wanted to make sure I got that out. Uh, for more about your immune system, things you can do to raise your immune systems, things you can do to help uh, not suppress your immune system. Uh, look at my book, Treating and Beating Fibromyalgia and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Okay, so this is the last. This is going to be the last um, teleconference this year. So, in the last conference for 2014, I'm going to take two weeks off, and then we'll start back uh, each Tuesday 
starting back January the 6th. I'm going to have a special webinar coming up in the middle of January. It's probably going to be on a Saturday. It's going to be uh, fibromyalgia, A to Z, everything you wanted to know. Uh, that you're, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, incredibly comprehensive webinar. And then also, I'm going to be turning right back around and doing one just on uh, thyroid. So some real important webinars coming up in January just to help you with some go-to information that you can use uh, or share with your doctor to help you in your quest to reverse your fibromyalgia symptoms. All right, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some questions. So if you've got a question, if you will hit star six, and that will allow you to come on the call live, and I'll be happy to take your question. Now, once you've asked your question, if you'll make sure you mute yourself so we don't get any background noise. And then obviously, if you don't have a question, there's no reason to come on the line uh, so we keep the background noise to a, to a minimum. So if you got a question, uh, as you come online, just state your name, and I'm happy to take your question at this time. So again, now, if you've got a question, you're going to need to hit star six. Hello? That's a, we got a couple of people on there. Yeah, if you'll state your name so I can call you out individually. Tanya? Tanya, go ahead. Oh, my God, I'm on. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> it's a miracle. First of all, I just want to say how much I appreciate you. Well, thank you. I'm I sure you that, that you get this a lot from your patients, of course, but for us people out here, um, that I've been following you for five, six months now on Facebook. Um, I just want to tell you how much of a wonderful, wonderful person you are. Um, God's gift to all of us people. I'm well studied. I'm 27 years in with fibro, longer with chronic fatigue. Dot, 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 dot. You know the stories. Yeah, I do, um, yeah. I'm just trying to say how much free stuff you do for people, how much extra stuff that you take away from your wife and your kids that you do beyond your work, that you are really, truly appreciated. And I'd like to know where you have the 24-7 camera in my house because how do you know all the stuff? Well, uh, first of all, Tanya, thank you. I really appreciate you uh, sharing how appreciative of, of uh, my work. Uh, I really appreciate you saying that. I, I'm lucky. I get to do what I love to do. I mean, I love to do this. And, uh, yeah, my family sometimes not crazy about all the hours I put in, but uh, they understand it. Uh, you know, the thing I really, you know, people read my book, they they, uh, they think, wow, you wrote that just for me. And uh, I've been doing it for so long, and it's all I do. And I just, from being with patients and listening, I mean, I've heard their stories. I know I don't have fibro, thank, thank goodness. Um, but I, I totally understand it. And I can identify what people go through just because I've just heard their stories and I've worked with them in the trenches for so long. 
uh, I, I understand it. I get it. Unlike a lot of doctors who just uh, don't, so unfortunate. There's more, though. There's more than just hearing for 17, 18 years of, you know, our crazy crap, you know, which is crazy, but it's not crazy, <laughs> which uh, right, I, yeah, I bought yeah. your book. Um, hopefully I'm going to become, praise the Lord, sweet Jesus, on my soul. Next month sometime I'm going to be a patient. But I just, it, there is not people out there like you. There, I, I'm well studied, which I have been listening, listening to webinars, you, just women calling in after calling in and saying so many things. You just, it's beyond you having patience. It's just like more than just hearing our stories. It's like you just know who we are. It's it's really hard to explain, especially to some people that maybe aren't well-versed in studying problems that are wrong. You know, you go to the doctor, they tell you, oh, you have diabetes. Well, a lot of people don't check into that. A lot of people don't check into a lot of stuff, but I'm learning more and more how many people have been checking into stuff through you, and just you just know more. You're just a specialer person on earth. You're like an angel walking in our lives more than what you've heard. You just, I am dropping my jaw, and I am well-versed in studies. I should have a college degree, but I don't because I'm here disabled. I have home health care coming in. I just turned 45 years old. I've had home health care for six years now, been totally disabled from severe fibromyalgia, severe yeah. chronic fatigue, dot, 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 you know, yeah. for 27 years with the fibro and then earlier in my teens with the chronic fatigue syndrome diagnosis. Um, you just get it. And when I drop my jaw constantly after hearing you, that's huge. And I just want you to know how much us out here appreciate you and let you know that you're appreciated and how much free information. Yeah, there are people here and there that will give you this or give you that. You go way upon, uh, way above everybody that I've ever listened to, and there's a lot, I can tell you that. But I really wanted to talk to you about something weird, and maybe there might be a question or two after that to see if you've ever heard this. Because I'm one of these patients where every single person that has ever seen me in my life say to me, Tanya, I have no other fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue patients ever tell me this kind of stuff, ever. You're the only one. You're unnormal. You're weird. Uh, Something is just, whoa, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of my major things is uh, back in November 2011, at the end of November, it was the last week in the hunting, just sitting here with my normal disabilities, da-da-da-da, um, all of a sudden something just hit my brain out of nowhere. Never, ever experienced this kind of thing before in my whole entire life. Then started moving in my neck. Then started moving down my shoulders. Then my arms. Then my heart rate. Then the rest of my body. And then my bowel system, like I had to go to the bathroom. 
Then I tried standing up. I was paralyzed. I couldn't even stand up. Thank God when it happened, I was sitting on my couch, which most of the time that's where I'm at. Um, And I thought, oh, wow, this is, like, freaking me out. And for some godforsaken reason, I had the phone right next to me because normally I don't. I called my son. He ran home, got in. I took an anxiety medication. Eventually, that calmed everything down. But things started getting worse. And then they started happening more and then more and then differently and then worse. And then to the point where all of a sudden my brain was on fire. My brain would feel like acid was just melting away my brain. My brain felt like it was blowing up. My face would immediately turn pure red like it was burnt. I literally peeled skin like second and third degree burns off my eyelids, my ears, my face, my lips. Um, It started hardening down my neck, my shoulders, my arms. My heart rate went up to 200 and something over the upper hundreds. Um, And we're only talking five to ten seconds. And it just kept going and going and doing all these bizarre, crazy, weird things that I've never had happen to me in my whole entire life having all this stuff. Have you ever heard of anything like that, first of all? I hate hate to disappoint you, but I have not. (laughs) Um, So, you know, patients have similar things, but I've never had anybody that actually has to where they have eruptions on their skin. I mean, you had a vagal reaction. It sounds like you had an allergic reaction to something. Um, And I don't know if you were, at that time, were you eating something? Were you exposed to something? But that's an allergic reaction is what that sounds like. Nothing, nothing unnormal, nothing. They would just come on out of the blue, and I would get a severe migraine after. I'd get a severe, severe migraine yeah, that's your autonomic nervous system going haywire, sending your blood pressure up, your vagal nerve, which uh, connects down to your heart, driving your heart rate up. That's an allergic reaction. Now, whether that was an allergy, you know, an allergy, something to induce that, but that system kicked in for some reason. I can't answer why. That that I don't know, but I do know that that is an allergic response to something. Uh, or, or part of your system, part of that anyway, was an allergic system reaction. Um, and I don't know if you were now. I don't know if you were weaning off any kind of medications. Nope. Or nothing but my normal everyday crap. Yeah. Just another normal day for myself, and nothing, no stress, other than your normal crap because you're sick, really bad, and disabled. I mean, you have home health care coming in, taking care of you. You have somebody cleaning your house. I just turned 45 in September, and I've been having this since 2008 of somebody coming in, taking care of me, a nursing assistant six days a week, and a person coming in, cleaning, cooking, laundry, grocery shopping, and I'm so young, so young. But in 2011, November, which was almost 2012, it never happened to me before. I didn't have a headache. I didn't have a migraine. And then I did. And then 22 ambulance rises later. And now the medical 
field in my area or the emergency room that you only can go to by ambulance in my area thought pretty much then I was crazy because they couldn't totally find a legit reason. And then I changed doctors completely after about a year, yearish and a half later, and she diagnosed me with rare forms of migraine, and she said because I had fibromyalgia, severe, that the fibromyalgia between getting these severe, rare, unnormal, which nobody is supposed to feel in their whole lifetime ever on earth, and then having fibromyalgia, it just does everything weird to your whole system. And so I let that go, and I went, okay, finally I'm getting a diagnosis after a year and a half. So then they started changing to where I don't get some of the stuff happening, but I get like now where it just doesn't even happen to be the migraine anymore, I'll just, I never know when it's going to happen. I just feel like I'm having a stroke and my body's going 180 miles fast. And it's a bad feeling because automatically your system and your brain is telling you you're dying. You don't like that feeling. It's it's weird. It's it's gross. It's it's like help somebody help me, help me, help me. I'm gonna die, kind of feeling. And it it makes you horrifically sick, sweaty, heart rate. Uh, that was one thing. Always going to a doctor after doctor after doctor's appointments. I never had before November 2011 was high blood pressure. And ever since then, now I'm on blood pressure medication to regulate did my check, heart. Yeah, did they check your thyroid antibodies? It sounds like you've got, you know, you're getting these uh, these surges coming from your... Now, I, you know, I, I don't know without a long, lengthy conversation and, and some testing, but, but you need to have your thyroid antibodies checked to see, are you getting surges from your thyroid? Uh, the other thing is, it sounds like, I, and I do have patients who get these weird migraine headaches that then send them to the ER and they think they're having a stroke or they're having a seizure, and it, it does turn out to be one of these migraines, and part of that is that the vagal nerve is gets involved in that, and that they have AFib or they have rapid heartbeat and the blood pressure goes sky high. Uh, so the other thing I would I would encourage you, is uh, to do if you're not. Of course, it may be, may be something that's not an easy thing to do at this point, uh, but food allergy testing. And the test that I'd recommend be the ALCAT test or the ELISA test. And the reason I say that is because uh, with when you get these weird reactions, uh, you know, the doctors are going to sweep it all underneath the carpet and they're going to tell you it's because you're fibro. But that that didn't make sense, you know. They blamed it on my panic and anxiety disorder, which I've had since teenage years because I had a severe traumatic childhood and adulthood, by the way. Yeah. You know? You know, but then what you want to ask is, okay, well, you got that in your background. So you've depleted your stress coping chemicals. You don't really have them, so you're deficient in them. Anytime you get under stress, in your case, it's magnified because you don't have that plasticity to that stress anymore. Uh, you don't rebound. And But now you've got to ask the question, though, is there anything that I, ta- anything that I have 
either that and that I'm taking into my body, I'm either getting too much of or shouldn't be taking in, i.e. food, that can trigger some kind of reaction. And that's why you want to be thinking that way. Then the other thing you want to be thinking is, is there anything I'm deficient in? So is there anything that I'm deficient in that can be the trigger for these reactions? And it's that kind of thinking that allows you then to start putting the pieces together. Uh, if we just think, well, it's just because you, you know, it's your panic attacks and uh, that's what it is. Well, well, that's just, again, it's just sweeping it underneath the, the rug. What we want to know is, is there anything you are deficient in that causes you to, ha- to, to have a weak link to where you, you have the panic attacks? Yeah, you're probably low in serotonin, probably low in gamma aminobutric acid. I am low on serotonin. Actually, um, my um, primary did do a serotonin. She's never done one before in her life, and she said most psychiatrists on their patients won't even do a serotonin level, and mine was in the basement. I barely had one. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. You know, but I I barely had anything probably for years and years and years and years. I'm 27 years in on the fibromyalgia alone, you know, and I was the type of person that you would never guess me would ever let me down, and actually in bed and sitting on my couch, that's my main excitement for my life. Maybe that's why I'm not catching as much autoimmune viruses Uh going around as much as uh, other people might complain about because I hardly ever get out of my house. Because I'm yeah. more here than I'm not, the most right. excitement I get is going to a doctor's appointment, you know, basically in my lifestyle. And I'm young. I know a lot of people, uh, younger kids, are going, oh, my God, you're so old because you're 45 now. But I don't consider myself old. You know, I have a grandchild younger than I now. I yeah. can't even hold them standing up. I can't even barely walk to my bathroom without having to have a seat. Every doctor has said, I've never had a fibromyalgia patient that can't walk that far. That can't walk that well, far without well, having to have yeah. a seat. Yeah, that's not your fibro, though. You're, 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 the chronic fatigue, you've got something more than fibro. So it's the chronic fatigue or Tanya, some kind of Tanya disease that you've got something else that's making you that run down because uh, fibro, for most fibro patients they're not going to have the severity of the symptoms that you do. Now, they're going to have a lot of problems, no doubt about it. But, but uh, I mean, you're really, really, really sick. I mean, you know that. I yeah. know that. Yeah. And Where so I'm surprised I'm still alive, doctor. Dr. M. Yeah. You know, i just yeah. been calling you Dr. M to everybody. <laughs> you know, my Dr. M. I mean, you're already my doctor in my, my mind. And... I'm 99.9999% positive I will be your patient next month. You know, I'm I'm doing all the work to get towards that. But I'm just saying for anybody that's listening out there, there are, you know, blogs that I've been on and hearing some women, and I'm like to my doctors, I've been told 95% of the time by any doctor that they've never heard all the stuff. I even went to the fibromyalgia and fatigue centers. And when I was reading your book and you mentioned the fibromyalgia and fatigue centers and blah, 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 I just kept dropping my jaw and dropping my jaw. 
and just going, oh, my God, this guy is like, wow. He is, oh, he's watching me. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I'm not crazy, you know. But I'm just trying to say that that's how much you relate to me out of all the studying. And I'm the person that's trying to find every which way to try to get better. And I don't know if there's a bad jinx or a bad spell against me, but it seems the more I try, the worse my health gets. I don't know. And now I'm not having the migraines hardly at all anymore enter my brain. These brain episodes of what I've been saying, now I'll just get them whenever, and I just feel like I'm having a stroke. Like I'm out, like my brain's like all gets funny. Um, You don't like the feeling. It's scary. It's uh, not a panic attack, but it makes you have a panic attack. Does that make any sense? It does. Um, It does. Well, Tanya, I appreciate your phone call. I'm going to try and take a couple more questions because I know I had promised. There's a couple people I promised I'd try to get their questions if they get in tonight before we run out of time. But thank you so much for coming on the line. And uh, any way I can help you, I want to do it. So uh, um, any way I can help you, I certainly want to do it. Well, I just want to say thank you. And especially if people don't become your patient, thank you so much for everything you do for the fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue community. I just really, really, truly appreciate you. You're an angel on earth, always. Well, God well, God no, bless thank you. Thank you so very much for taking my call. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay, so we've got uh, a, a few more minutes here. I know I've got a few people that I've kind of been conversing with by email, and I promised them if if I, if I could, I'd even stay a little longer on the line. Uh, so if you're still there, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to take your question. So if you got a question you need to hit star six that will bring you on the line, and uh, I'll take your question. Jackie? Hi, Jackie. Go ahead. Hi. My question is in regards to vitamin D and the role it plays in fibromyalgia, and I'm asking because I recently had a blood test that showed I was low in vitamin D, which surprised me since I'm taking like 2,000 IUs a day. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? (laughs) Uh, well, so, uh, you know, vitamin D, for years and years and years, uh, doctors ignored that. And um, I think back in 2005, I don't know, I'm trying to think, I think maybe my second edition book, I was made aware of the importance of, of vitamin D from the Vitamin D Council. And uh, what their research showed back, I mean, it's been around for years, is that vitamin D is really not a vitamin, it's a hormone. And that hormone plays a role in our immune system. It plays a role in our neurotransmitters, our brain chemicals. It plays a role in our uh, pain perception. So when you have a low vitamin D level, it increases your pain sensitivity. So the lower your vitamin D, the the better chance you, you have that pain is magnified. Same thing that we see with fibromyalgia in the condition called allodynia. Uh, it, it, when your vitamin D level is low, it it compromises your immune system and increases your risk for certain uh, cancers, heart attack, and strokes. So it's a very important hormone. 2,000 IUs is a pretty good dose for for most people, uh, 
but uh, 5,000 IUs is what I recommend. But And the reason why I recommend 5,000 IUs, especially if you're in the northern climates, you don't get as much sun in the wintertime, is uh, we're finding out that even people in Florida, they're not getting enough sun. And part of that, you know, they're not getting the sun because they're using sunscreen, which is, you know, fine. And then people indoors more. But um, <clears throat> your vitamin D level should be at 50. That's the optimal level. Now, there's a, you know, I've written articles about it. I've written blogs about it uh, and have a whole you know, big, big uh, uh, chapter in it about it in my book. Uh, vitamin D can be very helpful. It's not the end-all, be-all. If your vitamin D level is low and you got fibro and you raise it up, it, it's not going to get rid of all your pain, but it can be helpful. It's one of many things you need to do to fix the problems. So you want to look at any deficiencies, find those and fix those, and by doing that, synergistically, all these things add up to make a difference. Um, so I think vitamin D is important. It's not the end-all and be-all, but it's certainly important. Yes, okay. Um, and also, what are your feelings on the in- immunoglobulin G tests as far as, like, gluten and egg sensitivities? Uh, I think it's a good test. Syntax uh, does a good job with a lot of the the autoimmune testing. And uh, so I use, for my gluten Testing uh, it's for gliadin. See if someone has a sensitivity to gliadin, I use a saliva test. It's just easy to do. Uh, it's not 100% accurate, uh, unlike a biopsy. I mean, that's really the way to know if you got celiac disease. Uh, but but it's good. Uh, those tests tend to be, or at least they used to be, as far as I know, kind of pricey uh, if you're paying out of pocket for them. But they're good, and I think you should. I think uh, the more you know about yourself, the better, because anything that you can find and fix takes the stress off the body, whether that's a food allergy, whether that's a sensitivity to gluten, whether that's a vitamin D deficiency, whatever it is, all these things add up, and they start to cause problems. Uh, they just they, they become a big snowball, and if you can pick the little the little pieces out of this snowball, uh, you can tame that to where it's not such an issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with also getting some of these tests done. Um, and, you know, I've increased my vitamins based on your website, so that's kind of why I started taking the vitamin D in the first place and why I was surprised I was low, even though I did have the supplements. Um, so I appreciate you taking my call and, all the information you put on your website. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Jackie. Okay, any uh, any other, we got anybody out there with a question about to finish up? So you need to hit star six. That'll bring you on the line. Linda? Hi, hi is it Linda? Linda? Uh-huh. Go ahead, Linda. Um, I have a question about the immunizations they want to give you, like at Walgreens and stuff, for uh, people that have had uh, chicken pox? Are yeah. those, do you recommend those? Uh, it's, <laughs> that's a very uh, politically, 
uh, you know, dangerous territory. But, you know, I, I, I don't get vaccinated. Uh, now, as a child, I didn't have any choice. I didn't know any different. But, uh, and, and, the, and the reason I don't is because I've not seen the benefit. And uh, what I tell people as far as the flu goes, um, if you get the flu vaccine every year and you do fine, then it's okay. Um, but if you haven't had it in years or you're not sure or you've had it in the past and it didn't make you feel good, I'd stay I'd stay leery of it because there are people who are very sensitive to it. I've had probably less so now, but years ago I had I had clusters of patients who would come to my practice telling me that their chronic fatigue syndrome all began with uh, with some type of vaccine. So I'm real leery about recommending these things. Um, I know that's not, you know, it's not black and white. Um, I don't know if we know enough about them. There's just so much controversy. And, um, you know, uh, I've seen people who, um, you know, they get shingles in their adults, and it's terrible when you get it. You know, when you get chickenpox, you should never get it again. But if you get under too much stress, you know, it manifests as a shingle. So, um, but you get over it. You know, you get over it. And there's just so many horror stories. So for me personally, um, I've got a problem with, with, with all the vaccinations. More so with kids, I guess, than I do with adults. Uh, I think we try to push too many vaccines too early for kids. It's incredibly dangerous. But to answer your question, should you get the chicken pox vaccine or some of these others, I, I would be I would, I would be real uh, leery of doing that personally unless you're someone who's really immune challenged uh, who has COPD or some of these other things, then you're already at high risk. Otherwise, I, otherwise I, I would, I'd probably steer clear of them. Okay, great. Thank you for your help. You're welcome. And I, and I agree with Tanya. You are a great help to talking to us on a weekly basis and, and all your, your information in your book and your websites. I really appreciate you, and I hope you have a happy holidays. Oh, thanks, Linda. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to wrap it up, and I wish want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, and uh, hopefully it's going to be a healthier, better year for you. 2015 is going to be a good year for you. And uh, it may not be right now, I know that, and, and there's so many people out there that are suffering from, with, with fibro. I mean, it just, you know, it just beats you down. I mean, it just, it just, it just drains you. And um, so I, I totally understand that. But I hope, you know, my hope and my prayer for 2015 is that you will, that you will find some hope, whether that's through my work or somebody else's work, and you'll be proactive and you'll do whatever you can to get healthier. And, you know, it just depends. I mean, some, some, some of you are struggling financially, so you may not be able to do, to do treatment with other doctors or do a consult with me, um, and I understand that. But if that's the case, then just do what you can. You know, so clean your diet up. Look in the book, and you can see why you shouldn't be drinking sodas, why you should steer clear of Nutrisweet. So there's things that you can do. While they may not make a huge difference, Anything you can do to be healthier is going to help you. Uh, one of the things I think is really neglected in the work that's out there, and, and I'm guilty of it too, uh, I, I am, 
I have a chapter about it in my book, but I don't talk enough about it. And a big part of that is just the mental aspect of it. You know, again, fibroid just will beat you down and beat you down. And we know with uh, with psychoimmunology that our state of mind controls our health. It does. There's just no way around that. I mean, it does. That's why stress is is the thing that really sabotages and gets most people, whether that's migraine headaches, asthma, um, cancers, heart attack, stroke, or fibromyalgia. I mean, it's the stress that gets us. And doctors are, if you ask them, they may not admit it to their patients. But when you get us all together, we will tell you that stress is probably uh, the, the source of, of 80 to 90% of all illnesses. It really is. And part of that is we just beat ourselves up so much. We don't control our thoughts. And because of that, we're feeding ourselves these negative thoughts all day long about how bad we are. Uh, we tell ourselves that we're too fat or we're too thin or we're too tall or we're too short or, um, you know, we're a bad wife or a bad husband or a bad parent. or And we just, you know, we, we tell ourselves a zillion times a day just what's wrong with ourselves and the the body has nothing to go by but other than just to believe what you tell it. And I know some of this sounds kind of way out there, but it really is the science. It is. It, it is. It truly is. Uh, if you wake up in the morning and you think it's going to be a terrible day and you keep saying that, you're going to have a terrible day. It's the way it is. Uh, if you wake up in the morning and you uh, try your best to uh, be grateful for what you do have, yeah, your feet ache and, you know, you feel like you hadn't slept all night and probably didn't and uh, everything hurts and you got a headache, but you got a roof over your head, you know. Uh, hopefully you got a spouse that loves you. Maybe you got kids. Um, you've got, uh, hopefully you got um, a church or you got God or wh- whomever, but you got a higher source that you can turn to and you could be appreciative of that. And I know it sounds like kumbaya and, uh, you know, it's easy for me to say be positive, mind over matter. You know, it doesn't really work that way. Uh, I know that because when you, you know, I know this from my own experiences when I have some kind of illness and I'm run down, I'm not a very good, nice person to be around. I mean, uh, I'm just not as caring. I'm not as thoughtful. I'm not as patient. Um, all the things that I try to be in my life, I try to model, I stink at when I'm sick. And I'm fortunately don't get sick that much, but when you've got a chronic illness like fibro or CFS and you're sick on a daily basis, it's very, very hard to raise your mental game and try to do better with your thinking so that you can um, control your thoughts and allow your body it, the best opportunity it can uh, to, to be healthy. So that's a whole science, and, and and what I would encourage you to do is just take baby steps about that. Uh, if you're not, if you're not carving out half an hour, just half an hour every day, to sit and be quiet and meditate and pray, and uh, and maybe you did that for 10 to 15 minutes and you you thought of all the things that you were thankful for. You know, you're thankful that, the you know, easy things, like the sun came out. Uh, you live in America. Um, 
your life, uh, whatever it is. I mean, there's so many things we can be appreciative to that we just don't allow ourselves to be. And the other thing I would do is I would encourage you to read 15 to 30 minutes a day something uplifting. Uh, and for that, that could be the Bible. You know, if you want to read scripture, certainly, you know, that's a, a wonderful place to go. Uh, but there's so many great books out there like Zig Ziglar and Wayne Dyer and, uh, 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 you know, the, the, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, some of my, my, some of my mentors, my favorite people out there. And I start my day every day, uh, meditating and praying and, uh, being, trying to, trying to make sure that I'm grateful for the things that I have. And then I read. I read for half an hour. I read positive things because I want to feed my mind with positive thoughts before I get out in the real world and I get saturated with all the terrible things that are going on in the world. Now, I never watch the news, and I don't recommend you to either because it's so stressful and it's so depressing. But I try to fill my brain up with positive things. Like with my diet, I try to eat healthy things. So I fill up my cells with healthy nutrition. I try to fill my brain up with healthy mental nutrition. And uh, I'm not saying you're going to make all your fibro go away. Uh, I'm not even saying you're going to feel better right away. Or uh, I'm not saying that, that at all. I know that's silly to even even think that. But what I'm encouraging you to do is this next year, uh, think about all the things that you can do that will become habits that allow you to 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 uh, take control, you know. Right now, this illness is controlling you, and you you know that, right? What can you do? What can you do to take uh, this illness, and you start to control it? So part of that is changing the way you think, making time to be with yourself, and um, to be with whatever. If you have a higher belief, be you know, spend time with 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 that deity. Uh, certainly with positive reading, and then if you feel like it, um, you know, there's a time and there's a place, and, and most people can't exercise with fibro until they get a lot better, but just do something, just move, just whether that's walking five minutes a day, whether that's just stretching, you know, doing get, get a easy-to-follow yoga book, something simple, nothing crazy, but start doing some things that allow you to be more productive in your quest to take control from this fibro. Think about you know think about that. There's a lot of great resources out there, uh, including a chapter in my book that goes into more detail about that. That's meant so much to me in my life, and, and I really feel like I need to start putting that more in my message these days because there's uh, uh, I just think there's so many people out there hurting, and any any way you can knock the legs out from underneath fibromyalgia, any way you can attack it, I want you to do that, and a big part of that is mentally. Uh, as well as biochemically. So thanks. We ran late tonight. I, I, I apologize, but this is Dr. Roger Murphy, thefibrodoctor.com, author of Treating and Beating, Fibromyalgia, and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Uh, I look forward to your questions each and every Tuesday night. Uh, and in uh, the, the next two weeks, we'll be taking a break, but we'll be back uh, first Tuesday in January. God bless. Merry Christmas. <laughs>